1: is set as the Cincinnati Bengals will face off against the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Wednesday, February 2nd, 2-22 is the date. I thought that was pretty interesting. I am Frank Stample, joined as always by Mike McClure and Sian Ajad, and we've got a unique podcast for you today. Obviously, we can only talk so much about the DFS slate, so instead... We're going to look at this game from all different avenues. A real-life game perspective, betting perspective, player props, and then later on, of course, we will look at showdown pricing over on DraftKings. But first, boy, am I happy. Conference Championship Week is over. Mike, just an absolutely brutal outing for your boy. Not a single prop caches, not a single DFS lineup caches. It happens. It happens to the best of us. I, I'm probably not the best of us. You guys are the best. But... Man, what just an awful week. I, I don't have to obviously explain that to you because unfortunately your Chiefs are out, so you're dealing with that. But we've got some new blood in the Super Bowl. How are you feeling?
2: New blood in the Super Bowl. Um, not, you know, not feeling great. I had a great week in DFS overall, which definitely eased the sting just a little bit. But I would be lying to you if I said I was completely recovered from the Chiefs not playing in the Super Bowl. Um, we talk about comebacks all the time, the Bengals. Winning that game the way they did, I think based on where the score was and when probability was in the first half, pretty improbable, pretty disastrous collapse on the Kansas City side. But I am excited to see what Joe Burrow can do against the Los Angeles Rams.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Joe Burrow playing lights out football right now. Uh, And overall, the Bengals, they're they're riding a wave of momentum. See, how was conference championship weekend for you? It was just a bloodbath for me.
3: Yeah, from a, I mean, l- listen, I didn't have any dogs in the fight, if you will, like Mike did in terms of a team, because I'm a Washington football team fan. Oh wait, no, it's the Washington Commanders now. So sorry, I didn't mean to like steal that storyline. If if we're uh, if we're going that direction, but you know, because of that, it was purely DFS in betting for me. From a betting standpoint, I had both dogs, so that that's all well and good. DFS was okay. I cashed some lineups. You know, I was pretty big on Odell Beckham last week, so that helped me cash a ton of lineups. Of course, I. I took Mike's advice with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey certainly got there and Tyreek Hill wasn't too bad either. So the DFS day was good. It wasn't great. It was good because, you know, Joe Burrow didn't do exactly what I wanted him to do. Other than that, it, it was nice to hit on the dogs, but it was it was just a great, two great football games, four deserving teams going to the Super Bowl. Frankly, eight deserving teams going to the Super Bowl if we go back two weeks. And unfortunately, there's only spot a spot for two and there's only one Super Bowl winner and we casually forget about everybody else in the mix. You know, when we think about this season 3 years from now, we won't even remember that the San Francisco 49ers were in the conference championship. We might forget that Patrick Mahomes was was battling and should have probably, you know, entered another Super Bowl. But here we are. We got two teams left.
1: Yeah, we won't remember the 49ers by then because Trey Lance will have already won a Super Bowl 3 years from now, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see what happens there in that direction. Look, I'd be lying. I'm happy that the Bengals are here. They deserve to be here, and I'm very happy for Bengals fans. It's an awesome story that they've made it this far. But I would be lying if I said I didn't want to watch the Chiefs and the Rams in the Super Bowl, Like, just mm-hmm. straight up. like, Of course, I want to watch Patrick Mahomes play more football, but that doesn't mean that uh, we aren't excited about the Bengals again and uh, potentially even backing the Bengals in the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. See, you teased this uh, Washington Commander situation. Can, should we just call you Commander Sia from now on? Is that cool? Is that what we're rolling with? I I guess,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a pretty cool. So, this if you're watching us on YouTube, which you absolutely should be, it the the uniforms look great. I think both sets or I guess all three sets of uniforms that we see on the screen here are great. I love the helmets. Um, Somebody brought up on Twitter earlier that the W for Washington looks like the W in the Waste Management Open, or you know, for the Waste (laughs) Management um, company. So, I think that's kind of funny and interesting, but. Uh, and that, by the way, that tournament comes up during the Super Bowl. For those, for those of you that don't know, Mike does golf stuff. I do golf stuff, um, PGA, DFS, things of that nature, betting. And uh, that waste management tournament is going to be really interesting this coming week. But with that said, I guess it's a good name. Listen, the reality when it comes to franchises receiving new names, nobody ever likes it because everybody usually like is is pays homage to the to the the former name or you know the new name usually doesn't really ring any bells because you know it's new so as far as new names are concerned i think this is just fine it'll take some getting used to though
1: the biggest qualm that i've seen from fans is what, what do we call the, what is their nickname right like if you try to shorten it it's like every way that you shorten it doesn't really sound too great so uh, I don't know what's gonna happen there I like the uniforms I'm with you I mean this this black uniform that we sl- see up on the screen it, it looks pretty clean I like that quite a bit the the, the black alternate but uh yeah uh, you know Washington commanders that's where we're at Mike I don't know if you have like a strong uh, opinion on, on this new name change there was it sounds like they were considering a few different things here but there you go Washington commanders
2: yeah, I don't have a, a strong take on it. Um, you know, I hope that they can find some success. I, I think the team and the franchise and the fans all deserve it. Uh, maybe a new field. I hate that place. That place is awful. But uh, other <laughs> yep. than that, you know, I uh, I think that that's the next order of business for them. Put a competitive product on the field and potentially a new stadium.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it starts at the quarterback position there. We'll see what happens with Washington In the offseason, it's going to take me some time to get over calling them the Washington football team. I kind of like it. It had a nice ring to it. Anyway.
3: I didn't didn't mind it either, for the record.
1: (laughs) Commander Sia. Commander Sia. That's that's what we're going to go with. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, just want to give everyone a programming update. We'll have two pods next week, one that focuses solely on betting, the game, player props, wacky props, all that kind of fun stuff for the Super Bowl. Uh, And then we will have a podcast later on in the week where we break down the showdown slate even further, you know, Maybe combinations of lineups that we're looking at, captains that we're considering. Obviously, we'll, we'll take a closer look at pricing as well. I'm thinking Tuesday release for the betting and then Thursday release for DFS. So be on the lookout for those. Let's start with uh, Super Bowl 56. Just our initial thoughts overall. It's the Bengals at the Rams. For the second year in a row, a team will be playing the Super Bowl on their home field. Last year, the Bucks were playing in Tampa. And this year, of course, the Rams are playing in LA at SoFi Stadium. The line opened up with the Rams minus three and a half, quickly bet up to Rams minus four, and it kind of felt like that's where it would last for a while, but now we're seeing Rams minus four and a half at most books, so Mike, what is your thoughts overall on the line here, where it opened, where it's kind of settled for now, and maybe where it might be headed?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to stay right. I don't think it hits five, right? I think it's going to stay in the four to four and a half range. I don't see. I don't think we see three and a halves again. Uh, my simulation makes it minus 4.1. At this point, that is most likely where I expect the market to kind of settle. Like I said, bounce between four and four and a half. As far as where it opened and why we've seen some of the movement, it's not often that a home team gets to play the Super Bowl at home, or a team gets to play the Super Bowl at home. And now they're having their back two consecutive home games. There's been no travel at all involved for them. Uh, it's a pretty advantageous spot. Now, an additional week off, we're talking three weeks essentially of not traveling at all uh, on a plane. It's a pretty big deal for that team. Uh, and I think that that's kind of reflective a little bit in the, the one point movement in the market. Um, and I think that that's where it's going to settle. Um, Like I said, my, my number is 4.1 on it. Um, I think it's mostly efficient where it's at. I think that they should be favored by, you know, more than a field goal, but less than a touchdown. And I I think the market's got it right. I think the only thing that's interesting to note is the betting percentages on it so far. Um, The tickets are about even in terms of 50% of the action on each side, but about 75 to 80% of the money is on the Rams side.
1: All right, so some early money here coming in on the Rams. See, early thoughts here on where the line opened up. Three and a half, kind of settled in at four and a half as of now. Do you think this line moves either way? And what do you think about this home field advantage type storyline here for the Rams? Because I would have to imagine, I mean, as as expensive as ticket prices are for this game, I mean, it is absurd. It's crazy right now. I would imagine that there's like a pretty good mix of like, just celebrities and just fans of both sides. So what do you think about the line and uh, the potential home field advantage for the Rams?
3: So it's it's weird because it's the Super Bowl, so you're going to get sort of a corporate feel from a, from a fandom standpoint. Obviously, there is going to be an advantage for the Rams. I think people, because there's a slight advantage to the Rams, I think people who are, you know, Maybe a little neutral might just kind of fall into the, instead of betting the underdog, just fall into the fact that, hey, this is the home team. Let me go root for them. But I don't think it's a really big deal either way. I I think just as a side note, it's very interesting to me that both, we have two LA teams and, and we saw just last week that, you know, San Francisco traveled really well. They probably sort of dominated that from a percentage standpoint in terms of fans in the stadium you could hear i mean you know the rams stafford had to go on a silent count a couple times which is very interesting and i just just as a little side note there's two la teams like could we have left one in san diego yeah probably or maybe maybe put one somewhere else but i i don't think home field is going to be a huge deal other than what mike said you know they get to stay home for this extended period of time i think there is there are some advantages there as far as the line I'm not surprised it moved. You know, when it when it opened at three and a half, I thought it was fine. But, you know, the more I think about the matchup, it's not the best matchup for the Bengals, especially when you consider their offensive line and how exposed they're probably going to be against the the front four, the front seven of the Rams. So it wouldn't shock me, especially considering what Mike said about the amount of money that is already on the Rams versus the the tickets. I mean, this probably could pop to five. I don't think it'll go back down to four. If it does, I don't think it'll stay there very long. So I wouldn't be shocked if this line ended up settling at five.
1: All right, well, uh, let's talk a little bit more about those advantages and the matchups. Sia, uh, I'll come back your way here. You already mentioned, I think the biggest storyline here will be the Bengals' offensive line versus the defensive line of the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams had a pressure pressure percentage of 31.9% in the regular season that was tied for ninth in football. That number has gone up to 34.7% in the postseason. So that's one of the more obvious ones there. Is there anything else that you're looking for in terms of advantages or uh, matchups to, to watch here, Rams and Bengals?
3: Well, Ramsey is, an, I mean, you, you say Rams and it just falls right into Ramsey. I think that's an interesting matchup in terms of where they use him. We know Ramsey doesn't necessarily shadow. There's, there's really two elite receivers on the Bengals. I have a feeling the way this game is going to go is that there's going to be such Uh, an an incredible amount of pressure on Burrow that he is going to have to get the ball out very fast. And while Jamar Chase factors into that a little bit, I think T Higgins actually probably gets a little bit more of of the benefit of sort of some of those like lower a dot reception. So that's somebody I think to maybe key in on, on, on DFS or in the prop market. I think Burrow is going to get the ball out very fast. I think Mixon and keep in mind, Uzama is not there and drew sample isn't exactly a guy that's going to be, you know, Killing it like we saw with um, Kendall Blanton, who came in for the Rams. So I think Mixon and T. Higgins are, are going to get the ball often, and uh, I think Burrow is going to be in a little bit of trouble. They know that going in. The Rams know he's going to try to get the ball out really quickly. So that you know, adding that all together, and knowing that the Rams are probably going to be able to move the ball pretty effectively against the Bengals, uh, I, again, I, I see the Rams probably coming out on top here.
1: All right, Mike, let's jump over to the other side here with the Bengals. I was looking more into it, trying to find what's the edge for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, turnover margin is something that they've thrived on so far in the postseason. They're plus five in terms of turnover differential. They have six interceptions in the postseason. But typically turnovers, I mean, they're not sticky game to game. So it's like, how much do you actually put into that? How much stock do you put into the turnovers here for the Bengals? Obviously, they got an interception late against the Chiefs, and that's ultimately what helped them win that game. The only other thing I'm looking at here, and we can't quantify this, it's really just momentum, right? The fact that the Bengals beat the Chiefs, they've made it this far, and they kind of have like a it feeling right now. They they're playing with house money, right? It's like it's very obvious to me that the Rams need this more than the Bengals do. Like there's more pressure on the Rams to actually win this game. So uh, from a Bengals perspective, what do you see in terms of maybe some matchup advantages against the Rams?
2: It sounds bad to say this, but they don't have any matchup advantages against the Rams. Uh, they, they, they really don't. They're outmatched on every, in every way, on every side. It's not significant mismatch for them in every way, um, but it, but they have electric players. They can certainly compete and play, but you're right. They, this reminds me of what it feels like, uh, and the reason I say there's a couple reasons. It's a cross-sport analogy. I'm a Kansas City fan. I grew up in Kansas City. I follow the Kansas City Royals. The Kansas City Royals, with their two World Series runs, somewhat improbable. Not really expected at that time. Obviously had good pieces, weren't able to keep it together. This team for Cincinnati. And this run feels a lot like the Royals in their run to the world series, a lot of playing with house money, a lot of improbable, a lot of being underrated. And frankly, I think I'm probably still underrating the Bengals a little bit, but in terms of edges that they have, I, they don't have, in my opinion, an edge really anywhere. And they have a massive disadvantage when it comes to their offensive line versus the Rams defensive line. Uh, so it's going to take more spectacular play from Joe Burrow at this point. Um, and some turnover luck would certainly help. Um, but yeah, they, they've been very, very fortunate to to come back and be in this position. And like you said, at that point, they've got nothing to lose. They're out there having fun, and that's what makes the team dangerous.
1: Yeah, and I think most people listening to this, not that you should take my betting advice, but I'm leaning with the Bengals. I mean, for that exact reason, it sounds weird. Like everything statistically, everything you just said, matchups-wise, it seems like it's in favor of the Rams, but Given that pressure and the fact that the Rams have built this entire team to win a Super Bowl, like it, there's no doubt in my mind that there is pressure on them to make this happen. Oh, yeah. I just, I kind of feel like this is the Bengals game, the Bengals game here. So I, I, that's the way that I'm leaning as of now. Do they win? I don't know. But like four and a half, that seems like too many points to me. See, do you have an early lean in terms of uh, the points here, Rams and Bengals?
3: Yeah, and by the way, I see your point. There, there certainly is an it factor with Joe Burrow. I liked the Bengals against against the Rams because mostly because they were getting a, a full touchdown. I, you know, I, I just don't I, unless this game was was unless they were getting a touchdown here. That, that's why I I think I like the Rams because at four and a half or five or four, I just think the like I don't think the Rams. It's not that I think the Rams are like the best team in the NFL. I truly don't. I just think the matchup is really bad when you especially when you consider that really really big time disadvantage on the interior. So I think that's where I'm going with it. I'll take the Rams minus the points.
1: Mike, do you have an early lean on the game? I know you mentioned your, uh, your system is, is spitting out 4.1, I believe is the line. What do you think?
2: Yeah. At this point, if I had to play it, I would play it with the Rams still. Um, I think that that's the, the most likely scenario for me would be betting with the Rams, but uh, I'll have them in some teasers and alternative plays, but I don't have a full play on the uh, on the spread as of now, but if I were forced to make one, I would play the Rams right now, anything under five.
1: Okay, yeah, and of course, if you want more betting advice or picks, you should check out Early Edge. I know the mega preview came out yesterday. I listened to that. I thought you guys did a, a fantastic job. So if you're looking for props or just any early plays in terms of the line, Mike, I know you gave out uh, like a a teaser hybrid, I guess just like a parlay that you played a three leg. So that, that sounded interesting as well. So make sure you check out uh, the early edge and their mega preview there for the Super Bowl. Any thoughts on the total here? It opened up at 49 and a half. It's dropped down to 48 and a half. See, we'll start with you.
3: I lean towards the under. Uh, first of all, you know I can't say this is going to happen this year as well, but y- you do see kind of a feeling out period in most Super Bowls where there's a little bit of tentativeness on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, maybe that plays into, I know Mike sometimes bets first quarter unders. Maybe it plays into that or maybe first half unders. But overall, I do think that obviously impacts the overall total. And, and the thing is, I don't think I think the Bengals will be able to move the ball here and there, but I don't think it's going to be a high scoring output for them. And frankly, I think the Rams, while they they do enjoy passing the ball, that's kind of their their modus operandi, I I think they're going to be able to run the ball too. And frankly, I think if the Kansas City Chiefs really decided to dedicate themselves to running the ball against the Bengals, particularly late second quarter or the entire second half, I think we would be talking about them as well. They were averaging plenty of yards per carry, and then they just kind of went to the pass for whatever reason. So I think the Rams understand that, and I think Cam Akers and maybe a little bit of Sony Michelle are going to enjoy enough clock rotation for that under to come in.
1: All right, Mike, to see his point there, I, I feel like he's right. There normally is a feeling out process. Maybe we don't really see many points early on in the Super Bowl. Uh, what do you think about this total at 48 and a half?
2: Yeah, it's interesting to note. It did start all the way up at 50 initially, but down pretty quickly. Um, I think it should be 47 and a half myself. Um, Just, I I really respect the Rams defensive front. And I think it's going to make some of those Cincinnati drives a little difficult. And then Cincinnati, they, they have this philosophy for whatever reason. I'd love to see them change it. If I watch the game and see them changing it, I might be more inclined to bet them live but their inability or unwillingness to throw the football on first down just puts them behind the chains so often. And this is not the defense that you want to do this against. Uh, But we've seen it time and time again, even after picking up a first down, they will constantly pound Joe Mixon for one to three yards and Mm -hmm. set up second and eight, second and seven every single time. And that's putting themselves behind the chains. I think that they do that early just to see what they have on the ground. Um, And that typically leads to a little lower scoring early in the game. The only comment that I want to make on this, though, uh, if you follow the early edge, you know, we talked about the referees a little bit here. Uh, In the Bengals game last week, we basically talked about on the show and on the early edge that there weren't going to be many penalty calls last week because Vinovich just simply does not call penalties. While in the Super Bowl here, it is Ron Torbert. Ron Torbert is a very interesting referee Has a ton of history with the Rams and their games. Uh, The Rams are six and one against the spread six and one straight up with him calling the games. But what I want to talk about is his penalty calling. He had seven games this season with a hundred plus penalty yards. One against the one with the Bengals against the chiefs in that game in week 17, that they won one for the Rams already, but he definitely is going to call some of the penalties a lot tighter I think that that could have an interesting role that typically helps the over more than the under. So it is interesting to see my model on the under. It's interesting to see the betting market kind of trending towards the under. It could be a spot if this drops down into the 47 range where I would consider the contrarian over at that point or again, watch how the game is called. If we see any ticky tack touch defensive holding calls early in this game, you can bet that it's going to be a situation where you're going to want to play a live over because these offenses with these wide receivers will definitely be able to generate penalties if they're going to call
1: them. All right, some Interesting notes there on the officiating here in Super Bowl 56. Let's jump into the pro, uh, player prop lines. And uh, I've got a bunch of stuff written out here from passing to QB rushing, uh, just all the running back props, receiving yards, so on and so forth. So we'll just quickly run through all these. And then at the end of the segment, we'll, we'll kind of give out some, some early leans and player props that we're looking at overall here. Let's start with the quarterbacks and the passing yards. Matthew Stafford, 278. And a half, he's gone over this number in 13 of 20 games this season. Joe Burrow, 273 and a half, has gone over this number in 9 of 19 games, uh, has gone under it in 2 of 3 playoff games. Sia, do you have a, a lean or any thoughts here on the passing yardage props for Stafford and Burrow?
3: My lean for both is the under, but I don't know that I'm willing to bet either. I think I would I would like to wait to see. I mean, we know with overs in general, like you know, they tend to be inflated a little bit because people generally like to bet overs. I wonder, maybe Mike's a better person for this, but I wonder if Stafford, if those Stafford and Borough props, particularly maybe Stafford, if that maybe shoots up a yard or two over the next, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days when the Super Bowl starts. So for now, I would definitely stay away because I'm leaning on the under. I don't think it'll go down too much for either of these guys, but yeah, I, I, I think the running game is definitely in play for the Rams. And I just wonder, even if there's like, quote, garbage time at the end, and and that assumes, of course, that the Rams are playing with a big enough lead. I, I just wonder how much Burrow is going to be able to move the ball downfield. I'm not saying he's not going to get a lot of completions and a lot of pass attempts. I just wonder how, how many yards he's going to be able to generate drive to drive.
1: All right. So I wrote down these props about two hours ago before recording this. And Stafford's number actually came down a yard since then. So it was two seventy nine and a half and a half earlier. It's now down to two seventy eight and a half. and a half. All of these odds sh- should have mentioned earlier, uh, come via Caesar Sportsbook. So obviously if you're playing props, you want to shop around and see where you get the best line, uh, depending on if you like the over or under. Uh, but yeah, Stafford has actually come down a line here. Um, one yard, and he is at two seventy-eight and a half. Burrow again, two seventy-three and a half. Obviously, the over/under in terms of touchdown passes—one and a half for each. Stafford minus two twenty to the over. Joe Burrow minus one sixty to the over. Mike, do you have any uh, strong thoughts here in terms of either passing touchdowns or passing yards for each?
2: Yeah, so I like Sia. I do lean towards the under on both of them. Uh, a little stronger lean on Stafford's under. Um, there are just more paths to Joe Burrow having ample garbage time to, to get there. Uh, I say this every week on the early edge. No one has created this market for me, unfortunately, but I would love to be able to bet quarterback passing yardages in the first quarter and in the first half. I want someone to create that market for me. I would absolutely love that. Um, but, yeah, I lean under on both of them, and see us dead on, especially in an event like the Super Bowl where there's one game and a ton of time. If you're looking to bet overs on props, do it yesterday. Do it now, do it yesterday, do it as quickly as you possibly can. If you're looking to bet unders, let's do it during pregame warmups. That's when you want to bet the under because these yards, these numbers will get steamed up by three to four yards, especially on the receiving yardage front. Um, definitely want to look to unders late. So I like Stafford's under. I have this number all the way down to 259. Um, seems like a huge edge. It's not massive. These, uh, we look for pretty big edges when we're playing under on passing yardage, um, just because you're talking basically one completion that could could kind of change those numbers. Uh, but I do have it all the way down here. And I'll tell you the reason for it is because of the pass rush that the Rams put on Joe Burrow tends to create some of these shorter fields for the Rams. Also puts them in game scripts where they're leading and not trailing, not needing to rack up yards as quickly. So that's why that number is all the way down there. Um, If I had to play any of these, it would be Stafford's under. I I, I lean towards the under on Burrow. Not enough to play it, though.
1: All right, obviously, neither of these quarterbacks are rushing quarterbacks per se. Stafford's line, five and a half rushing yards. Joe Burrow, 11 and a half rushing yards. Uh, Burrow actually only went over that number in three of 19 games this season, but coming off a game where he had 25 rushing yards. See, this one's pretty interesting because, again, like neither of these guys are typically rushing quarterbacks, but you see in a game where there's desperation, they, you know, they do things that they haven't done before. So I don't know that we want to touch either of these, but I think it's worth mentioning. What do you think?
3: What was the rushing total?
1: Stafford is five and a half, Burrow, 11 and a half.
3: Yeah, actually, I kind of like the overs in both of those, (laughs) by the way. I don't think I'm going to bet them either. I, I think I like the Burrow one a little bit better. I just think with the pass rush, he's going to be more inclined to escape the pocket on maybe more than a couple of occasions and likely pick up that 11 and a half.
1: All right. So yeah, if you like Burrow right now over at Caesars, the over is plus 100. So you're getting that at uh, even money for Joe Burrow rushing yards. How about the running backs? We see Cam Akers at 63 and a half rushing yards. Joe Mixon at 64 and a half rushing yards. Mike, what do you think about these two running backs?
2: So I'm definitely leaning under on Mixon. Uh, I, I like the unders a lot there. The Acres one is very interesting to me. Um, I assume that he maintains the share uh, of all the carries. I'm always nervous that Sony Michelle could take work from him at some point. Um, longer time to prepare. Just, it, it's a spot where I'm not going to play it either way, but I do like the under on Joe Mixon. It uh, just has not been effective. I am... Guessing, hoping, thinking that they will figure out that they're not going to be able to run the ball on first down as frequently. I think it leads to even fewer carries for Joe Mixon. So I'll take the under on Mixon, but I'm not touching Akers personally.
1: All right. Uh, Cam Akers has 55 rushing yards or less in three straight games, but the Bengals allow four and a half yards per carry to running backs. That is the sixth most in the NFL. Joe Mixon has gone under that 64 and a half number in six of his last eight games, and it's quite a tough matchup here against the Rams. See, what do you think about the receiving yardage for both of these running backs? Cam Akers, 15 and a half is the number. Joe Mixon, 26 and a half.
3: Yeah, I like the Mixon over uh, of twenty six and a half, and it's mostly because he's not going to be able to run the ball. I completely agree with Mike, and I, honestly, I'll be taking Mixon under sixty four and a half rushing yards. With that said, I do think they're going to be able to utilize him in the passing game, particularly because of that pass rush. So, I think twenty six and a half is very attainable for Joe Mixon. I like that. As far as Cam Akers. That one is a stay away from me in terms of his receiving yards, but I will say this. I do like his rushing yards over of 63 and a half. I'll be taking that. And, and, and part of the reason there is because, like you said, you, four and a half yards per carry against the Bengals, but also his yards per carry ticked up last week, and that was with a shoulder injury that that he was kind of nursing. He, had, he went from 2.6 yards per carry during the playoffs when he came back from his Achilles injury up to 3.7 yards per carry, and now he gets to enjoy a defense that's not nearly as good against the run. So... Uh, given the game plan and and how he looked last week even with a shoulder injury i don't see sonny michelle diving into that work as much as maybe he did the, the last week. He had 10 carries, I think, for 16 yards. He was very inefficient. I think he was in the game for a couple reasons. One is because of the fumble woes from Cam Akers from the week prior, but also because he did have that shoulder injury. I think after two weeks of rest, I think it's a renewed confidence in Cam Akers, so I like the over in his rushing yards, but I'm staying away from his passing yardage uh, total.
1: Rushing and receiving combined, Cam Akers is at 82.5, Joe Mixon at 95.5. Uh, I have taken Joe Mixon, the under on this number, and little worried about it now. I think I should have just gone with the under in the rushing yardage for the reasons you mentioned, see, I think the fact that this pass rush is as good as as it is, it wouldn't surprise me if they have some quick dump-offs to Joe Mixon. And if CJ Uzama does not play in the Super Bowl, then I think that we could see even more targets in the short area for Joe Mixon. So uh, in hindsight, eh, I probably would take the Mixon under rushing rather than the total uh, yards here. Mike, what do you think about either? Akers, 82.5, Mixon, 95.5.
2: Yeah, I lean under on both of them personally. I'm not touching the Acres one. I have already played the Joe Mixon under 95 and a half. Uh, I would play that one all the way down to 85 and a half personally. I know it seems like a very low number. Uh, I don't think they're going to have success running the football at all and I don't think they're going to find themselves in positions to be able to run the football much after the first half of this game. So my real worry, uh look, I I think it's kind of fun cuz I might play the over on his uh, receiving yards and still the under on the combo, uh, which might sound a little crazy to you, right? Trying to middle those numbers, but I really think we can do that. I don't think it's going to be all Joe Mixon in the passing game. I think it'll be a little bit of Joe Mixon early, but once they figure out that they are going to be in trouble in terms of that pass rush, there's a reason Samaj Piron plays. And that's because he's much better in pass blocking protection than Joe Mixon. And Pirine has shown that he's very capable of catching the football and still being very effective in that game. Uh, He saw more targets in the passing game in the last game than Joe Mixon did. Uh, And a lot of that wasn't necessarily because he's better than Joe Mixon or they like him a lot better than Joe Mixon. He's on the field more because he has to be to protect Joe Burrow. And I think that we see that a lot here in these situations, especially if it's a hurry-up situation. They're not going to have time to get him out there. The only caveat to that would be, and you have to watch, you might have to have a live betting situation on Mixon overs in the game. If Uzama is out, I can absolutely see situations where they run Pirine and Joe Mixon at the same time and split or Mixon out wide like we used to see in the past with Le'Veon Bell at times in the NFL. I think that we absolutely could see that now that we have a week and a half to essentially implement that for the Bengals. They're going to want both of those guys on the field if Uzama is out. So something to keep in mind, something to watch for, but I still am on the under 95 and a half.
1: Mike, unfortunately, you just reminded me of last weekend when I took Joe Mixon over 28 and a half receiving yards. He finishes with 27. And of course, Samaj P. Ryan has three catches for 43 yards and that receiving touchdown. It was just so painful, so painful to watch. And of course, I'm reminded of that now. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll get into the receiving yardage uh, for both the Rams and the Bengals here on Fantasy Football Today at DFS.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, so let's jump into the Rams receiving yards. We have Cooper Cup at 102.5. We have Odell Beckham, 63.5. Van Jefferson, 34.5. See, anything stand out here for you?
3: For the Rams receivers, not really. I mean, I was all over Beckham last week. I think 63.5 is very much attainable. Same with Cooper Cup at 102.5. I, I just, I don't think there's an edge there for me. So for me, it's kind of a stay away. I think if I was going to take anything, no, I would I would probably take the under, I, believe it or not, I would take the under on Beckham probably. But I think I'm more interested in, in taking the under on Beckham with respect to his receptions as opposed to yards. Van Jefferson is very intriguing to me. I think he's going to be an interesting kind of gimmicky play, whether it's in DFS or or in the prop bet market. But I don't know that I'm ready to take his over at 34 and a half. I will say this. I did notice I don't know if everybody knows from the early edge that Mike McClure actually sort of named the Van Jefferson Memorial, this first touchdown score when he had Van Jefferson as the first touchdown score when, when the season started. But I think he's interesting as a first touchdown score because of the attention that those other two guys are going to get. He's plus 1800. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, it's, it's kind of nice that the last sort of for those of you that watch early edge, the last VJM pick could actually be the first VJM pick, courtesy of M Squared.
1: <laughs> Very nice there. The Van Jefferson Memorial. Let's see who uh, winds up with that here in the Super Bowl. Uh, Cooper Cup over 102 and a half. I've actually bet it already myself. He's gone over this number in 13 of 20 games, but I'm with you, See, I do like the over the receptions number as well there at 8.5. The guy's just seen so many targets. Mike, any leans here? Any thoughts on Cup, Beckham, Van Jefferson?
2: Yeah. Cup is the classic example of like, I can't take the under on it. Like uh, there's just not going to be good. Not going to be fun. Um, I'm very worried still. Um, still very worried about just the Rams defense being so good, putting them in positions where they don't have to rack up as many yards. Uh, just, you know, I, no one wants to talk about it. I think there's a big scenario here where the Rams win in a blowout, like we thought the chiefs were going to last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a I'm a little concerned with that. I, I'm not playing the under on it. Um, not going to fault you for wanting to play the over. If the game is even remotely competitive late, he's definitely going to get there or at least have the opportunity to get there. Uh, but I'm completely off of it. The Beckham one is interesting. The target share in the last two weeks for Beckham has been great. And some of it with Higby being out again, potentially, like I kind of, like I kind of lean over on Beckham's number. um, just because it's so low, The way that I'm going to attack it, though, is going to be through his longest reception, which you can find at 22 and a half yards. Uh, I think that that's a better number. We've seen 29 and 31 in two of the last three games. Um, That's where I like it, because I think that you can get there in multiple game scripts with him. And the reason for that is, is if they're comfortably winning or just normal, you know, up by a touchdown kind of thing, I think that that's when they take the deep shot to Odell Beckham. And if they're trailing or in an ultra-competitive game, I think he ends up getting there just through that. But I think that there are scenarios here where we, we think about Cup when they're winning. I think that Beckham's the guy that they will take deeper shots down the field to while they're in control of this game. So if I had to play one of the two, it would actually be Odo Beckham at that number.
1: All right, yeah. And you know, you mentioned the Van Jefferson Memorial Sia before and Van Jefferson potentially playing out in that role. I The other day I saw Odell Beckham at 10 to 1. First touchdown score, and I was like, "Man, I kind of like that because he's been used more in the red zone. Obviously, he can make that big play, and you know, obviously, big stage, Super Bowl. It feels like you know, get stars involved. Last year, I was on Gronk to score a touchdown, that came through. So I kind of like the Odell Beckham ten to one. That number has dropped tremendously. It's now p- plus six seventy five over on Caesars. Wow. I just ch- checked DraftKings as well. Five to one is the the first touchdown score for uh, for Odell Beckham. So. You snooze, you lose, man. I should have jumped in there uh, 10 1. That's insane. On Odell Beckham. Yeah, just just huge movement there in, in terms of him. So uh, we'll, we'll see where where else. Uh, where do these other lines move throughout the course of the week? How about the Bengals? We have Jamar Chase, 80 and a half, T Higgins, 69 and a half, and then Tyler Boyd down at 39 and a half. Notice. We haven't mentioned any of the tight ends, both C.J. Uzama and Tyler Higbee, dealing with MCL sprains. So we just don't know as of now. We'll have to see what happens next week in terms of practice reports. You know, they've kind of left open the possibility of uh, either or both of those guys playing. uh, So we'll see what happens next week. But see, what do you think about the Bengals' numbers here?
3: So first of all, I don't think either of those tight ends are playing. I, I'm, I'm betting a pretty high percentage on my rampant non-medical speculation. And the way those injuries happen is sprained MCLs. I mean, coming back in a couple of weeks and being fine, I, I don't really see it. So that's just, I'm just throwing that out there because I've already looked at like for DFS, I've already looked at like guys like Kendall Blanton, for example. And I'm waiting to see props coming out on those guys because I do, I could see a scenario where Blanton is involved uh, yet again. So the the guy I like, I think the most here is T Higgins and I like his over a five and a half receptions. I like it better than the 69 and a half total yards. Although I think he can get there with both. Listen, any of these guys can get there, especially Jamar chase. But I just think, Getting the ball out fast. Yes, Chase can be that guy, but I think we we've seen it over the last few weeks. T. Higgins A dot isn't necessarily going to be as long. He is, he seems to be, other than Tyler Boyd, who might be in the slot. T. Higgins is one of those reliable weapons, but you don't have CJ Uzami. You don't have that big target, but you do have a big target in T. Higgins, who's a great route runner and who sometimes can just control his A dot that they, in terms of what the coaches like to do with him. So I see him having really a lot of work. I think he's going to outcatch Jamar Chase. Maybe not out-yardage him, but out-catch him. And I think he's going to serve as the safety blanket for Joe Burrow.
1: All right. T. Higgins, also five and a half is the number there for him. He's gone over the yardage number, 69 and a half in two of three playoff games, over in eight of 17 games uh, this season. Mike, how about you? When it comes to the Bengals, we have Chase, we have Higgins, and we have Tyler Boyd. If you want to throw out any tight end numbers just in terms of like where it's projecting or like when it opens up, what the number needs to be for you to jump on it. Feel free to mention those as well.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't have much interest. Uh, if it's not going to be Uzama playing, I don't have a ton of interest in going to to Drew Sample personally. I mean, I think you could play him in DFS, obviously much different story. Um, but even then I think they've priced up both of the backup tight ends because the injury news was out ahead of time. Uh, as far as the Bengals wide receivers, uh, I do agree that T Higgins in terms of the reception number is probably going to be a good look. I think he's going to certainly see enough targets to get there. I do like Tyler Boyd in the slot. Um, I, I think that his number is obtainable enough. I think at least yesterday when we were on the early edge, you could grab that at 37 and a half. I think that number should be closer to 42. I would expect it to close around 42, 42 and a half by the time the game starts. Uh, And wouldn't even be shocked if it ballooned all the way to 45 if C.J. Uzama is truly ruled out in this game. The one prop that doesn't exist yet, it probably will by game day. I would like to find and play over on Jamar Chase rushing yards. Um, They've used him in the backfield and on end arounds a little bit over the last five games I would expect a little bit more of that, especially if things are difficult in terms of the pass rush, they're having trouble. I wouldn't be surprised to see them put the football in his hands, not to the extent that they do with Debo Samuel, the 49ers that is, but I do think that they do that. So I'm going to be watching for that. I would expect it to be like over two and a half rushing yards. I don't think it'll be the freebie of one and a half or a half a yard, but be on the lookout for that uh, because I definitely think Jamar Chase ends up with at least one, but as many as four or five carries in this game.
1: All right, yeah, he has at least one carry in three straight, and in those three games, three rushing yards, two rushing yards, 23 rushing yards there for Jamar Chase. Uh, All right, so you mentioned already some of these props that you like overall. Are there any that you've either bet already or you're leaning towards betting?
3: Yeah, there's a few that I bet, and there's a few that I'm leaning towards. So I'll just I'll just rattle them off real quick. I think we've gone over all of them. Um, Mix in under 64 and a half rushing yards. Uh, Mix in over 26 and a half receiving yards. Although I will say that the the Pirine the Pirine stuff that Mike dropped is very compelling. I mean, remember what he did. It, it, with, with that screen against Kansas City. That, that literally was the turning point of the game. A lot of people think it's, yeah. you know, Kansas City, you know, failing to score at the end of the first half. But it was really that P. Ryan play where it was like, oh, I guess the Bengals are kind of in this game. So they they clearly rely on him, even when it was going badly for him against the Titans yeah. when he kind of was part of the reason there was an interception there. That, like, that didn't – they don't hesitate putting him into the game in situations where they think it, it requires it. So that's interesting. Uh, T. Higgins over five-and-a-half receptions I do like. Uh, Cam Akers over 63 and a half rushing yards I like. And and let me say one other thing. If you think the Bengals are going to win, it's plus 170 money line. I I don't think the Bengals are going to win. But if you think the Bengals are going to win, I would just go ahead and bet Burrow MVP at plus 225 because I don't see many paths to the Bengals winning. And the quarterback of the Bengals, the future, one of the future guys of the NFL, right up there with Pat Mahomes at this point, I don't see him not getting the MVP trophy. So again, if you're interested in, in playing the Bengals and you, you want to take the, you just want to go money line, I, I, I think there's basically like a 90% chance that if they win this game, maybe 95% chance that they win this game, Joe Burrow is the MVP. So go ahead and take the plus 225 as MVP instead of the plus 170 money line on the Bengals.
1: All right. Some MVP thoughts there from Sia and Mike. What are you thinking? I know you've already mentioned these picks. Did you actually bet them already or are you waiting? Maybe you're waiting to see if Mixon's number gets uh, pushed up a little bit more before you take the under.
2: I don't think the, I've already bet the Mixon one. I don't think it goes up. I think that one goes down personally, uh, just because I know myself and another couple people that really are influential in that space. They've already talked about playing it as well. So I I think that if anything, that one's going to go down. Um, just my personal opinion on that one. Um, as far as Odell Beckham, I haven't taken his over yet on the longest reception, but I do like it at 22 and a half. Uh, and that's all I've got in terms of individual player props at this point.
1: All right, I've got Cooper Cup over 102 and a half. I have Tyler Boyd. I took that one over 39 and a half. Again, at Caesars, you can get it at plus 100. So even money there for Tyler Boyd. Uh, the Rams play a good amount of zone defense. C.J. Uzama banged up. Doesn't sound like he's going to go in this one. So I do like Tyler Boyd there. Uh, and then I took Joe Mixon under 95 and a half. Total yards with Mike as well. Before we get into DFS pricing, the showdown slate over on DraftKings. I do want to give a shout-out to our DFS contest winner last week for the conference championship week. And the username there, Drinking Whales, bro. Puts up 155.3, took home $135. The winning lineup here includes Patrick Mahomes, Cam Akers, and Jarek McKinnon, Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, and Jawan Jennings. Travis Kelsey at tight end, OBJ at flex, and then the Rams defense. And uh, yeah, he wrote in. He mentioned, you know, I, I probably should have had that ready to go. Uh, I'll pull up what he said. But yeah, basically, he wanted stacks from the the top two team totals. And he didn't want to play the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes. He, that's how he got different here. So he winds up playing Cooper Cup. And that's basically what you needed. See, what do you think about this lineup?
3: Yeah, a stack of and whether it was the quarterback or not, a stack with cup and beckham was definitely the path to it's like winning this whole thing. If you if he had Stafford in there, it would have um I'm I'm trying to remember what Stafford's points were. But I know a guy who won a big single entry tournament that I was in had a Stafford stack with Beckham and Cooper Cup. So yeah, I like this lineup a lot. Listen, we 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 all kind of knew Cam Akers was going to be trouble because it's just the right price for him, but you know, was he really going to get the work after what we saw the, the week before? So that that ended up sort of busting, but there weren't a lot of good running backs to choose from. And if he went up to Joe Mixon, he wouldn't have been able to afford what he what he got here. So I don't mind the Jawan Jennings dart. I thought you know he he definitely could have gotten loose the game before. He had 94 yards and two touchdowns, so that certainly makes sense. I think this is a pretty good lineup, and I'm I'm not surprised it took it down. I love I love that he got cup. Beckham and Kelsey into his lineup. And obviously, T. Higgins was no slouch either.
1: All right, here we go. The thought process. It was not rocket science, but was essentially stacked the top two implied total teams on such a small slate, but then get different by not snagging my QBs wide receiver one, but paying up for cup instead. It required the Jennings punt, but it worked out. So shout out there again to Drinking Wales, bro, who takes it down. And I also wanted to mention that where does his DFS username came from? He sent in this whole email. We were talking back and forth. Apparently, a rare craft beer is a whale. And it kind of stems from that and how beer guys also say bro. So yeah, I'm a beer nerd like Heath. For those who don't know, Heath Cummings from Fantasy Football Today. Obviously, a uh, big fan of beer, craft beer, breweries, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, and you can follow this gentleman's Instagram, Drinking Whales Bro. Uh, that's whales with a Z for some more beer content. But wait. There's more, Mike. You haven't talked yet. You further incentivized this contest by offering up a tiger NFT. Obviously, NFTs oh, yeah. are where it's at right now. They are blowing up in the crypto NFT space, uh, and you offered one to the winner as long as they had a Bengal in the lineup, and that's exactly what happened for our buddy here. Uh, so, yep. Mike, I'm assuming you hooked this guy up, and obviously, he's part of your Discord. So, shout out to Jake who took it down, and, and you for you know further incentivizing this contest.
2: Yeah, the uh, he played by the rules. He got the one Cincinnati <laughs> Bengal in the lineup, which is all it required. And we are going to run it back this week. Uh, now, this week, I'm going to award a Tiger NFT. If you don't know what that is, follow me on Twitter. I'll at least show you a photo. We'll tweet about it when we tweet the links. But the top three finishers will all get Whoa. a Tiger NFT for this week. The caveat is simple. Play one bangle because you have to. You can't have all your players from the same team in DFS this week. Everyone is eligible to win.
1: All right. And speaking of that contest, I've already made it. We have 200 entries, our biggest contest of the season. I think it makes sense, obviously. We have two weeks to fill this bad boy, $5 to enter. The top 20 will get paid out in this contest. The link will be in the podcast and the YouTube description. So not only can you win our hard-earned money, our hard-earned $5 that we will be entering into this contest. But you can win a Tiger NFT as well. Make sure that you have one Bengal in your lineup. Actually, you have to have one Bengal in your lineup. So uh, it's going to be fun. Here we go. The the Super Bowl showdown slate. And let's jump right into that. Uh, What are we doing here in terms of volume on this slate? Obviously, it's a showdown. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. You know, obviously, you have had a ton of success playing the showdown slate. What are you doing here in the Super Bowl? Should you play more lineups? A higher prize pool contest. I see that there's a million dollar contest on both DraftKings and FanDuel, $15 to enter on DK, $5 to enter on FanDuel. What are we doing for the Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, I'm playing a lot more personally. Um, It's not often that we get to play the millionaire maker on DraftKings and actually have it make sense to play it. And I know that might sound weird to say, but when you're normally playing it on some of these, there's a two and a half million dollar or two and a quarter million dollar prize pool with a million dollars to first place. Not remotely sustainable at all, really, to, to go try and play that. This time it's a six million dollar prize pool with a million dollars to first on DraftKings. That is a lot more sustainable. You look at the payout structure and everything is a lot more sustainable. Now all of a sudden, instead of a hundred K or a million dollars to first and down to 20K by the time you're at third place you got 200,000 a second, 150,000 a third, 100k to fourth. There's more money at the top. It's almost guaranteed to be a tie. It's going to be very hard to have a solo win in this one because the, the targets are so concentrated. So now all of a sudden if you're able to grab like, that top lineup or a share of it, you're still likely looking at 50 to 100 200,000 in the split, makes a lot more sense. So I will be playing a lot more. Uh, I'll probably have 25 to 50 it's not impossible to move that all the way up to 100 lineups in it, but 25 to 50 will be the range that I will have at a minimum uh, for this one.
1: All right, see, my first thought here when I was looking through the slate was that the pricing is really tight, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, they have had some time to think about this, and they've priced up the backup tight ends, just in case CJ Uzama and Tyler Higbee don't play. Uh, so what did you think about the pricing so far, and how are you handling it when it comes to the volume in terms of lineups that you're playing in the, in the Super Bowl?
3: Yeah, I probably won't switch it up too much than than versus what I had the last couple of weeks. So what that really means is I'll probably play like five to 10 different lineups across maybe four or five contests. What what that really means is I'll play a few single entries and I'll play a few. um, I'll max out a few three maxes. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I think for me. It's, you know, I'd I'd prefer like a two game slate or or a four game slate, but for me, this is going to be so like game script dependent. We talk about it all the time, but you know, you kind of have to go with how you think this game is going to go and you, you play your guys around it and then you, you might have some variation, not, I mean, that variation could be the players or that variation could be the game script, depending on how many lineups you're playing. But I, I really am, I'm feeling pretty strong about, and I could be wrong. But I'm feeling pretty strong about the Rams kind of controlling the line of scrimmage that the Rams defense might get involved here. So like players like that, you know, whether it's Matt Gay or even Evan McPherson, I, I think all of those guys the, the defense, I think they're all in play. There's not a lot by way of cost cutters. I mean, Samaje Piran's down there at twenty four hundred. Kendall Blanton, you know, kind of priced up at forty six hundred. And then everybody else is kind of above that. There's really nobody below those two that I'm like super interested in. So it's going to be hard. I'll, I'll probably, you know, fade Cooper Cup at your own risk, right? I might play him, but but I might not play him with Stafford, for example.
1: Wow. See, ya. no love for Ben Skoranek, huh? $600 here on the slate. I mean, you want to save some money. That's your guy. Uh- not Actually, that, that's
3: true. Not that I mean, I'm excited. Kind
1: of. Not that I'm excited to play Ben Skoranek, but man, it, we're we're gonna get desperate here on this slate. Let's take a look at the pricing. No surprise, Cooper Cup. You mentioned him, the highest priced player at eleven thousand six hundred dollars. What did I say last week? What did I say all season? Fade Cooper Cup at your own risk. What did I do? I played Cooper Cup in one out of five lineups. So that, that would explain why I didn't really have a great conference championship week myself. That number gets boosted all the way up to $17,400 in the captain spot. For the QBs, Matt Stafford is at 10800 Joe Burrow, $200 less at 10600 Mike, what do you think about the top tier here in terms of Cooper Cup and the quarterbacks?
2: Yeah. It's going to be, you're going to have to make some sacrifices to get them in at the captain spot. There's uh, no, no doubt about that. Um, I'll, I'll play them. I'll definitely have exposure to all of them. I probably won't have a ton of Stafford in the captain spot. I'll most likely elect to, to play Cooper cup at that point. Um, as far as burrow, it, it's interesting. I think that one strategy that I like to use on this spot is if you play Cooper cup and captain, it, is kind of like the general thought process is well, you probably want the guy that's throwing the football to him as well, just because of how correlated those points are. However, I will likely not be pairing Stafford with cup. I'll likely pair him with burrow just because I think that there's still some correlation in that and burrow having to throw the football a lot more. Um, And I just think there are more paths to burrow having a bigger game than Stafford uh, at that point. So as far as where I'm going, though, I think it, it, in terms of simulations and models, Cam Akers is going to pop as someone that should be an optimal captain just because of the usage and the price point. If you look at the price point at 9600 like that's the most obvious captain choice on the slate. I think he's going to be incredibly popular because, again, that's what most computers are going to spit out. Um, as far as other values that I like a lot, I like Odo back at the captain, uh, and I like the kickers at captain.
1: I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the kickers once we get down to their price point. Uh, see at the running backs, Joe Mixon, 9,600. Cam Akers, who Mike just mentioned, only 6,400. That's before you put him into the captain spot. Sony Michel at 5K. Samaje P. Ryan down at 2,400. And I think it makes a lot of sense to, to be interested in Akers in this spot, just uh, considering the discount relative to Joe Mixon's price point on this slate.
3: Totally agree. Yeah. Akers is going to be probably in all of my lineups. It's just, it's a, it's preliminary because we're so far out, but that's my guess. He's definitely going to be in some of my captain spots. I, with the game script I'm foreseeing, I mean, I think you could actually have Akers and Sony Michelle in your lineup and, and, and maybe that that might end up being the optimal lineup. If the game with maybe the Rams defense, if the game goes um, the way I think it could go, if you, if you put those three in there, you could still add Cooper cup. And you could still add a primary player for the um, for the Bengals, and then just go from there with your sixth spot. So, yeah, I, I like Cam Akers a lot. Mixon, I'm a little undecided on because I do think he's going to get some receptions. So I think he's going to end up getting some yardage. And he's going to get that full point per catch. Uh, I just question his upside, and so therefore I question his his points per dollar whether that's really worth it. So I'll probably be leaning towards in a in a negative game script trying to get the receivers in my lineup like T Higgins and Jamar Chase as opposed to Joe Mixon.
1: All right, well, let's look at the Rams pass catchers. Mike, you just mentioned OBJ at 8,400. Seems a little bit high, but obviously coming off a a massive game. And I just, I think seeing that salary and the fact that his touchdown props are moving and, and people are excited, like, man, there's just... There's a lot of excitement about Odo Beckham in this game. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Van Jefferson is 5,200 Higby 4,800. If he can't go, Kendall Blanton is there at 4,600. So again, those backup tight ends are already priced up here. Uh, what do you think about the Rams pass catchers?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but it is projecting as close to a slate where I might be punting one spot for sure. Maybe two, um, I've done a lot, like in the NBA finals, actually. I know I hate to keep going cross sport, but I want to give good examples to show you that it's possible. In the NBA finals last year in the showdown slates, I would intentionally take a zero with a lineup spot with a guy that wasn't even eligible to play because it was free. And I took down three out of this, out of those games. I won the entire slate three times because I had the wow. best plays at every other spot. This game, it's not like the Chiefs. It's not like some of these other teams we've seen. The targets on both sides of the ball are extremely condensed. On the Cincinnati side, we know it's we know it's Chase. We know it's Higgins. We know it's Boyd since he's almost out. On the other side, we know it's going to be Cooper Cup. We know it's going to be Odell Beckham, right? Like, yes, there's Van Jefferson. Skoranek can get in. It's the obvious punt. But for me personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Odell Beckham in the lineup. I'm gonna put Cooper Cup in the lineup. And if that means I have to take a zero in the lineup, I'm gonna do it.
1: All right, yeah. So I, I just kind of messing around here. You put Ben Skoranek in the lineup. Uh, I I put together one that has T Higgins, Joe Burrow, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, and Cam Akers. I mean, you probably want another Bengals pass catcher in there if you're playing Joe Burrow, but that's that's a lot of a lot of exposure to to high upside uh, fantasy players here in this spot. See the Bengals pass catchers, Jamar Chase, all the way up at ten thousand four hundred. We see uh, T Higgins here at. 7600 Tyler Boyd at 5400 uh Uzama at 44 and then Drew Sample priced up as well to 4200 what do you think about the pricing for the Bengals pass catchers
3: yeah it's it, like mike said it's it's super condensed i don't think drew, drew sample's part of the conversation and honestly I don't think CJ Uzama is going to play. Even if he does, I'd really question on uh I'd question how healthy he is. Obviously, we'll find out before the Super Bowl whether he practiced in full. But again, I'm not counting on any of the tight ends to be in my DFS lineup. So it's Higgins and Chase for me. I, I like Boyd. I think he's interesting, but I, I also question his upside. I mean, I I just don't know how many red zone opportunities the Bengals are going to have. And to the extent they do have them, while I think Boyd is a good option, I think the first and second read, pretty much no matter what, are going to be Jamar Chase and T. Higgins.
1: Yeah, the only thing I'll say about Boyd is that if you don't want to play a Ben Skoranek, if you don't want to punt one of your spots in the lineup, you almost have to play Tyler Boyd, right? He's, he's the only other pass catcher in this game that could be involved at his price point, right? So 5,400, it's just there's not a lot of pass catchers down there. Yeah, I think if Tyler Higby is out, Kendall Blanton definitely could be involved for the Rams. So he's sub 5k. That's probably the other direction you're looking at as well.
3: The only thing I'll point out there, and he's not a pass catcher, but we've seen him catch passes, particularly last game, is, is Samaje Piran is only 2,400. So that's sort of in that puntish range where if you think he's going to get some screens, some receptions, uh, maybe you you don't have to go down to the Skoronic range. Maybe you go to Piran.
1: Yeah, I think if you're playing a lot of lineups, then you probably want to take a shot on, on Samaje Piran, at least in a few of those. Mike, you mentioned the kickers, and we have really strong kickers in this game We probably should have mentioned earlier. I mean, maybe one match of advantage. Not that Matt Gay is bad. I actually think he's a very good kicker. Evan McPherson is probably better than him. So maybe that's the advantage for the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. Uh, McPherson is 4K. Matt Gay is 3,800. And then we have the defenses, 3,400 for the Rams, 3,200 for the Bengals. Which kickers are you looking at? Are you looking at any defenses? What are the rules when it comes to playing kickers and defenses on Showdown?
2: Yeah. So I like both. Uh, I'll play double kicker lineups. Uh, I'll play. There's a scenario here where I'm going to have both kickers and the Rams defense as three of the lineup spots. And then that'll obviously be a Cooper cup captain lineup Um, bank on him, grabbing receptions, not a ton of scoring, Uh, but the kickers are going to be your best friend here. You go look at McPherson's game log. He has double digit points in seven straight games. Now go look at his price point, $4,000. Go find every other player in this player pool that has double-digit fantasy points in seven straight games. It's going to be really hard to do, especially when you consider the price point at 4k. Same thing for Matt Gay. Uh, we, you know that number drops down to seven fantasy points, but on a single-game slate, seven fantasy points at 3.8k. Not the worst thing in the world when you see routinely guys like even Akers, Mixon, Boyd. Those guys fail to hit double digits more often than not in some of these situations, right? So I'm going to have a ton of both kickers. It's the biggest source of edge in terms of like casual people playing for the Super Bowl. The reason for that is, is you don't use kickers in DFS anymore. You don't use them in a normal week. So they're not something that the normal person is used to thinking about, used to talking about. We like to think about scoring touchdowns. I, I think we see a lot of field goals here in this spot. So I'm actually most likely to fade both quarterbacks and play kickers. Uh, as I, I think that we see drives, end. I think we see people put points on the board. Um, that's just where I'm at personally. Uh, I have a lineup if you'd like me to share a preliminary lineup with you, do just to give it. you a build. Do it. it. It's one that I'll play, but the biggest piece of advice I didn't talk about early is do not use all the salary cap it's the easiest way to guarantee that your lineup will be duplicated is if you use all 50,000. Now, after saying that I'm going to give you a lineup that uses all 50,000, because it's (laughs) going to be duplicated anyway, after I share it with you, Odo Beckham at the captain spot, Cooper cup, Jamar chase, T Higgins, Matt gay, Evan McPherson. All right. So all the, all the target monsters that are going to catch passes playing on the game script that they move the football, catch the passes, Don't get in the end zone as often, which doesn't award the quarterbacks a lot of points, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got the two field goal kickers, which if that game script is playing out where they're coming up short, but moving the football, they're kicking field goals. It's going to be incredibly different to not have either of the quarterbacks in a lineup, but it would not shock me if you were able to get there, if you have eight, 10 receptions from some of these guys with not a ton of touchdowns. Don't be afraid to play the kickers. They are your best friend.
1: All right, and and those things are directly correlated, right? Fading quarterbacks and playing kickers for the exact reason you mentioned, Mike, is that if these drives stall and the quarterbacks are not throwing touchdowns, then obviously they're probably not winding up with a lot of fantasy points because neither one of them rushes the ball. So they need passing touchdowns to have massive games. And if they don't do that, then we're probably gonna see some pretty big games from both kickers here. And they're both talented guys. I mean, you mentioned how consistent McPherson has been. Matt Gay, double-digit fantasy points in six of his last nine games. That's great. At at his cost, $3,800 here on the showdown slate. Sia, do you have any thoughts when it comes to kickers or defense here?
3: No, I I like all of it. I mean, I I think I'm going to be playing the Rams defense in a lot of my builds, and and I think that's going to correlate pretty well to playing Matt Gay. I I like Gay a little bit more than I like McPherson, not because he's a better kicker, like you said. I, I just... I just think he's going to be situationally, I think he's going to be in a more advantageous position for the Rams to be like, OK, we're going to keep the field goal here as opposed to a potentially trailing uh, Bengals team late in the game. So I like all. I like everything Mike just said. I'll probably be of those three. I'll be on the Rams defense the most, but I'm definitely going to be incorporating a lot of Matt Gay into my builds and maybe just a little bit of Evan McPherson.
1: All right, well, this one went a little bit longer than I expected, but man, it's the Super Bowl. There's a lot to talk about. Again, next week, we'll be back on Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be breaking down some player props on one of those, and then we'll look closer at the DFS slate here for the Super Bowl. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. We'll be back again on Tuesday. We'll see you then.